Welcome to Sports Mad Res's This Week in Review podcast, where we highlight the recent news in sports medicine research. All right, great. So hi there. Uh, my name is Nikki Catano. I'm a regular um, contributor to our Sports Med Res blog site. Um, and lately, we've been having a lot of um, podcasts surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. And we've talked a little bit about how it has affected research. We've talked a little bit about how it has affected um, doctoral students and, and their research. Um, and we've had a little bit of conversation regarding kind of our athletes and how, um, how this might be affecting their, their health um, and when we're allowed to return to play, kind of what, how things might go. So I'm excited to have um, some clinicians here with us um, who are, are a little bit of nerds like myself. I like to get into the research and start to um, kind of consider what best practices for our athletes. So I'm going to ask that they go ahead and uh, go around and introduce themselves. So we'll start with Lauren. Hi everyone, my name is Lauren Sander. I am an athletic trainer at James Madison University and I work primarily with the swimming and diving team. All right, how about Adam? Hey guys, uh, my name is Adam Richman. I work at Dickinson College. It's a division three school um, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Uh, I primarily work with the men's lacrosse team and field hockey team. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a side hustle as well that um, is called Richman Training Systems. So it's an online training platform. Um, where I'm trying to disseminate some information and, uh, you know, help build resilient athletes. Great. And I go ahead, Rich. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Birdie. I'm an athletic trainer at Wake Forest Baptist Health. Um, currently the research coordinator at Wake Forest University for the CARE um, Consortium. Uh, it's through the NCAA and Department of Defense. So I'm responsible for baseline testing and return to play testing for all concussed athletes and student athletes in, in general. And then I also work with uh, the men's basketball team. Great. Thanks. Do you want to talk about um, any of the load monitoring stuff? I mean, I'm interested in it from a basketball standpoint, you know, and I guess I've been doing research and it's hard for me because you know, I met someone through Twitter, so I was excited. I'm setting up a meeting and chatting with him, um, who actually is a Westchester alum, ironically enough. Um, you know, so I'm excited to chat with him. Um, I guess what I struggle with is, in the, in the research I've done, you know, they look at the scholarship athlete and they look at, you know, the walk-on athlete, um, or they look at Division One, Division Three, um, and you know, they use a jump counter movement kind of as a monitoring system in addition to looking at loads. But what I struggle with is how to quantify the load, you know, like there'll be practices where, you know, someone will have an RPE, you know, of seven, you know, it wasn't that hard, but there are bouts that are really intense, you know, so outside of like heart rate monitoring um, and all the fancy stuff we can't afford, um, I don't really know what to do. And, and, you know, similar to the problem that Lauren had with their athletes, like to go from the pool to now they're running, obviously things are going to hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, but they don't have any option. Um, you know, so for basketball, I'm just struggling with what's the best measures. And I know some of the research um, that Mary Beth did here with us was really informative. Um, and it's almost data overload though, right? So we we're taking measures every single day. And um, I think sleep was really linked and their, their perceived fatigue, um, which was good. Um, but I don't know how, when we return, I mean, first off, healthcare is going to be so drastically different, right? Um, oh, yeah. But when we return, I don't know, 
uh, the coaches are going to be so excited that it's going to be like ramp things. Up. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's going to be like preseason on steroids. Yeah. So I, you know, collectively as a department, we're kind of trying to talk about how do we keep our athletes safe as humans, right? You know, address their mental health, address their athletic identity at this point, you know, stay with some of those grounding theories um, as far as moving. Um, but what we found is that like motivation, like where they went through a little lull and then they kind of regained some motivation, kind of like was okay with the new normal. But now what we're starting to see is that now they're kind of waning in motivation again. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know. I mean, so here's, here's my thought process with that. I think, I mean, especially at the division three level, um, obviously I think D one, you're, you're going to have more consistency with the compliance of, of an exercise program, but you know, we see it at D three where athletes aren't training hard enough at all to begin with. So I think you have to think of it as when they, when we get back, we have to just pretend like they did nothing, right? Like we have to program it as if they have zero chronic workload. They've, mm-hmm. They did nothing this entire time. So you have to start with minimal effective dosage, right? Like it doesn't mean, you, you, you know, it's a five minute, but like as a, as a human, you know, we can tolerate a certain amount of stress and, and be, you know, as long as it's minimal effective. So we, we need to, we need to um, program enough signal to elicit a training effect but we don't want to overdo that. Right. So we have to start with minimal effective dosage and just slowly progress progressive overload, graded exposure, whatever you want to call it to towards that maximal effective dosage or maximal recoverable dosage. Right. Um, So, but I think we have to, we have to communicate that with the coaches that you have to expect your athletes to have done nothing, start with minimal effective dosage, and then just periodize that up to a, to a higher dosage. Um, so the, and then back to the, um, monitoring stuff, right? So your wellness questionnaires and your, your, even your session RPEs, um, Lauren had mentioned it before, but the difference between internal and external trading loads. So your external training loads are your hard numbers, right? So the amount of stress you're actually providing to that athlete. So you can, you know, in the weight room, it could be, a you know, um, load volume, right? It's to total tonnage. Like that can be a number. If you have GPS, you can have accelerations, you can have, um, you know, totally uh, distance, stuff like that. So those are hard data numbers, our external training load. The more that you can have and be as specific with that. So if you think of it like signal and noise, so your external training load is your signal. That's exactly the, your, the doses that you're trying to um, apply to the athlete. Uh, but then you have to realize that not every athlete is going to respond the same, right? So you have your noise, which are all the other things that we talked about today, right? So your um, mental health, your sleep, your recovery, so every athlete, so just because we put the same signal on, on those athletes doesn't mean everybody's going to respond the same way. So the monitoring to me is monitoring the noise, right? So what is your, how is your specific athlete handling that, that signal or that dosage, right? So we, it's kind of like, think about like pharmacological studies, right? We want to be in that sweet zone of, we want to prescribe enough of the drug that it elicits the training response, but we don't want to overprescribe it um, and, and get a bunch of side effects. And we also don't want to underprescribe it and then not have a training effect, right? So you got to find that sweet spot and then just graded exposure, progressive overload um, back to like a normal training load. And then again, via the monitoring, you can kind of figure out who's handling that well and who's not. So you're using more of the internal response as a, a monitoring because you're in control of all the external, right? Right. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different for where I am because 
I'm in control of the external in regards to rehab. I'm there, you know, I understand what the coaches are doing, so I can try to, to monitor or quantify that as best I can. But our strength coach is entirely separate. You know, and it's, I guess, where I struggle is how to monitor all of that and not have all of it be too much, you know? So like if they're ramping up in rehab, they should be paring down in the weight room or, you know, or should they not be doing double? Um, and then, you know, coaches are, are, are coaches and, and they need to do what they need to do. Um, but we may do have a really hard rehab or lifting session and then suddenly, you know, there's an intense practice that totally muddles everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so- I think that's where your wellness questionnaire can come in really handy, right? Like those, those, those have been shown to um, correlate well with your, your stress, right? So if your right. chronic work, or I'm sorry, if your, if your workload goes way up, your, your question go down, the, the risks go down and then vice versa. As soon as you, if you um, drop your training load, then the, the, um, the wellness questionnaires usually go up. Your, 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 um, your, your responses go up in a, in a positive fashion. So I think, you know, without being able to control all the external training loads, your best bet is to monitor the, the internal load or the, the, you know, emotional, psychological load. And if you see that they're not handling it well, to me, that, that is just a, um, a conversation initiation, right? So like, mm-hmm. I see that you, you know, you, your, your stress level has been up, you're not been sleeping well, um, you, um, your soreness is, is above average, right? And, and if it's only for a day or two, no big deal. But when you start to see that two, three, four days in a row, then it all it is, is a, it's, a, it's a, a conversation starter, you bring them in, you, you start the conversation why like you know I saw that you haven't been sleeping well or your your um, soreness is way up and it just it provides an avenue to start that conversation and dig in and, and then you can you know maybe you know for me the last resort is actually taking away training load right because we, we, we also know from literature that the the if we can progressively overload and build a higher chronic training load that we're going to actually be more resilient right in the long term but again it has to be progressively overload we, we got to avoid any um you know uh, acute spikes but that that monitoring the the athlete via the wellness questionnaire just gives you an opportunity to have conversations and then again my my last resort is actually taking away training my first line of action is okay well you're not sleeping enough like you've slept like shit for the i'm sorry i'm not sure if i'm supposed to swear on this um you've slept like crap for the last um you know three days in a row maybe that's why you're not responding to the stress you know it it might not be the stress it might be their other 22 hours a day that they're not with us that's actually causing them not to be able to handle this because especially if the rest of their their teammates are doing the same amount of stress um and but yet they're the one that's not handling it. So, you know, is it nutrition? Is it sleep? Is it one of these other modalities? Is it mental health? Like they just, you know, if, if you can't handle the, it comes from the same bank account, right? Like if you have stress, uh, emotional, psychological stress, it, it takes away from the, the resources for you to be able to repair that tissue from, from your workout. And if you have issues with mental health, that's going to take away from that same bank account. So that, that's my two cents on, on the monitoring piece. If you can't actually track the external load. Right. But I guess what's interesting for me is clinically with the basketball teams, we often see the spike of injuries right around finals week because, you know, like classes are done, all they have to do is finals, and then they have, um, but even though the coaches are pairing back, like our, our, our men's basketball coach really significantly decreases their external load as far as practice is concerned. They're still in the weight room and doing things, but they're still like, they're getting, they're definitely at risk during that, that time frame. Um, so maybe, finals, maybe it's coming down too much. Yeah. I think. In terms of finals? <clears throat> yeah. So is there like the optional practices for the, or the oh, no. volunteer? No, we still have practices. Um, 
and they're not doing any like they don't they don't play pickup or anything or or captain's practices um they listen to to him you know like they'll come in and get some shots up um but it's not the constant up and down that we've been kind of used to you know so to adam's point i'm wondering is it the acute chronic workload ratio rich yeah i think if you try to do that once or twice a week during that finals week period it would it would help just to kind of stimulate you know the workload um it's a tough situation in finals week just because you have all the other the additional stressors involved um but trying to maintain some type of you know workload i think would be would be helpful now rich what measures did you use because you shared that spreadsheet with me which was cool but i can't remember. um bring it up because Adam, you kind of have like your five to seven. I forget the exact number. Um, of questions? Yeah, your daily wellness. Yeah, so uh, it's stress, sleep, um, soreness, mood, and there's one other one that I can't think of. And then I do um, resting heart rate every day. And we do session RPE from the, the day before. Not ideal, giving it the next day. Probably not as accurate. Um, and, and obviously all the subjective stuff can is is subjective, right? Like, you know, you, you have to be careful with your interpretation of that. If, if, you know, sometimes athletes might try to manipulate their answers based off of what they think might happen, right? Like if they say, oh, well, that practice was really, really hard. Next time coach will go easier on us or something like that. So you have to be a little, little cautious when, when you are dealing with subjective numbers. But um, if you get buy-in and the athletes actually understand why they're doing it and, and see that you're taking actionable steps from the data, they're, they're much more compliant and, and give you better numbers. And you share those numbers with the coach, right? Um, I share averages of the whole team. He does not okay. see any individual numbers. He mm -hmm. sees the whole team average together. Um, and he, he doesn't even see, yeah, he, he, he has no individual numbers. I see those obviously. And then again, that's a conversation starter for me um, mm -hmm. to, to dive into it. But no, he does. He only sees averages of total um, of, of, of the whole team. And then Rich, you do like a color coded system. Yeah. So I found the, the Excel sheet. Um, so we use perceived exertion, uh, fatigue, sleep quality, soreness, and then, um, mood. Okay. And you and do then, that weekly? Uh, yeah, that was typically done after our, uh, weekend games. Okay. And then that was shared with our coaches or individual players as well. Um, just because some of the guys, obviously we had a group that were playing a su substantial amount of minutes. So we wanted to monitor those guys a little bit more closely in terms of what they were doing in practices, um, you know, the following week. And, you know, it also helps if you're able to be successful. I think there's more of a buy-in um, in terms of guys reducing their practice reps. Um, I think if, if you're not, if you're unsuccessful, I think it's a lot harder for guys to take themselves out of practice because they want to get better. Um, but I think if you can get them to buy in, they're successful, and then they're able to take some reps off during practice, that's when you really start to see some, some differences. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into this. Um, I don't think it's more or less like we lost two games over the weekend. We got to cut our practice reps. I don't know if that's ever going to be realistic. Um, but if you can be successful and get buy-in and build it over time um, and get your coaches to buy-in as well, I think that's probably one of the easiest ways to, to go about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you definitely have to have coaches buy-in because if you can't – if you don't have any um, 
say over the training load on the court or on the field um, or practice structure, um, I, I don't think you're going to be super successful with it. Again, it, it does at least spark a conversation to look at the, the other stuff that we talked about, the, the more the noise, but um, you know, it goes back to coaches also being educated and understanding the stress response and um, load management from their end and, and actually periodizing, you know, um, the practice. practice schedule. And, and I just, I don't think enough coaches understand that they go hard every single day. I mean, think about like if coaches, if, if they thought about their practice schedule, like a weight room schedule, you don't lift, you don't squat two days in a row, right? Like you, you squat heavy Monday, like you take off at least a day and then maybe you go and squat again at heavy on Wednesday, but like you never have that back to back heavy day like that. And I think too many coaches, at least at my level, um, tend to do the exact same practice, the same two hour, that magical two hour number that, you know, like where that came from, I have no idea, but like we, we practice for two hours and, um, they don't vary the stress. Right. So, you know, to me, it, it, I really encourage my coaches to, to use some type of high low model where we have a high intensity day and a lower intensity day, you actually can recover and, and, um, see some training effects from the lower intensity day, allowing you to recover. And then you can come back on that Wednesday or whenever the next high intensity day is, and you're actually high intensity again. You know, I, I think coaches, um, you know, when they go hard or do the same thing every single day, like think about, you know, from a, an actual recovery perspective, by day three, four, like you're not recovered. And, and, you know, if you go back to like, you were talking about um, muscular fatigue, um, neurological fatigue with the, the jump um, monitoring, right? Like they're not jumping as high. Well, if you're not jumping as high, you're able to run as fast. Are you really training at your highest level in practice? And if you're not training at your highest level, what training response are you getting? You're getting these mediocre subpar reps that, you know, aren't really going to push you forward or, or allow you to get better because you're under, you're under recovered and fatigue. So um, really trying to educate your coach on, on training physio, um, yeah, physiology and um, periodization models. And, and again, I, I, I try to um, use a high-low model. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate because the coaches I work with are both have exercise science backgrounds, right? You know, so, so practice-wise, I think it's okay. Where I run into issues is when the games start hitting and the travel schedule suddenly gets crazy, where they're taking two trips across the state to Erie, you know, in six days. Um, and they're playing, you know, three games, um, you know, so that's kind of that noise that you mentioned earlier that really starts to kind of wear on their body. Yeah. Nikki, so, I think that, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Nikki, <laughs> I think that um, this kind of goes back to your, uh, your question earlier of like, where are some opportunities for us right now? Mm -hmm. And like, this is a really good opportunity for us to educate our coaches to have those interprofessional conversations with our strength and conditioning coaches, um, the different sport coaches, the different sports medicine resources, and really having a, a collaborative and comprehensive approach to how all of this training is going to happen and how we're going to, how we're going to monitor it, how we're going to modify it, and what that's going to look like. So I think that this really comes back to that. We have a really good opportunity to do those kinds of things right now. I think going back to your point with, um, you know, the, the three games in six days or whatever it may be, I think you need to control what you can control. So your things like sleep, nutrition, um, the amount of recovery that you are doing outside of your sport, um, you know, just continue to do the things you can control. Um, you can't control really if you make a shot on a consistent basis, but you can control how many hours of sleep you get per night. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. 
Sorry, Go I was just gonna say, do you do much um, educational in, in those regards on recovery? I mean, I think that would probably like, just to follow up with Rich said 100%, like educate them on sleep and nutrition and yeah. and how the best strategies are to recover during those times would be, would be your best bet. One thing yeah. that we've done this year is instead of having um, just like our director of sports medicine do just like an overarching coaches education at a coaches meeting, He's kind of put it on to each individual athletic trainer to sit down with their sport coaches and go through all of our policies and other related topics to educate them individually in a way that makes sense for our program and our sport. Um, so I think that's one thing that you can do is you can, when you sit down with your coaches, you can, you're going to go through your, your heat illness policy. You're going to go through your mental health policy, but also bring up, okay, how are we going to, modified training? How are we going to manage load? How are we going to um, sort of track these things and focus on what we can control within our, our program? That's the one lesson that COVID has taught me. Focus on what you can control. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and Nikki, um, so when I was at St. Francis, we had our guys there over the summer. So I'm not sure how, you know, relatable that would be for Westchester. Uh, but our coach allowed me to pre or present to our athletes um, once a week on various things. Um, so I did, you know, present on um, sleep and recovery one week. I, I did nutrition the next week or, you know, recommendations for nutrition. And then uh, I think hydration was another one. So just, just some things to, you know, give them a couple slides a week um, just to kind of keep them in the loop on how, for them to get better while they're in college, as well as when they're, you know, hopefully playing professionally or, you know, teaching somebody else. Sure. And that might be also a unique opportunity to teach them kind of healthy lifestyles long-term, you know, mm -hmm. post, yeah. post athletic life, um, <laughs> how to transition to be a, a, a NARP, right? Isn't that what they call it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. How to be a healthy human <laughs> instead of just an athlete. That's right. All right, Jeff, we went on and, and I apologize. I kind of got excited. That's what I am interested in. It, 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 that's the rabbit hole I'm, I'm learning right now and trying to figure out as a new, new fresh new start. Um, so thanks for bringing that back up. But I have no idea how you're going to put that together. <laughs> I think we'll have two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry yeah, about sorry. that. that was, that's a rabbit. I, I'm actually supposed to present on load management at Pat's. Um, so mm -hmm. like I've given that presentation a couple of times already just to prep for it. Um, sure. So yeah, I was I was excited to talk about that. So no, I'm I'm I was just trying to let it go where it went. But I mean, that's honestly I I've been talking about this with our strength coach, our track um, coach, and we have like exercise science um, researcher. You know, in track, it's really easy to regulate everything. You yeah. know, but basketball, <laughs> I miss I, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they run, uh, but you know, for me, it's just like basketball is just so different. And people like most of the researchers, oh, use GPS. Mm -hmm. Sure, I'll go out and purchase. Yeah, forty GPS. Yeah. I got. I have little Fitbits. That's all I have. It's exciting. <laughs> first, first beat isn't too expensive. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not catapult, but yeah. yeah. I'm, so I'm using SPT right now. It's uh, sports performance tracking. It's a new GPS. I don't. You know, it's it's okay. We we only have four units, um, but mm. for a basketball team, like I think I want to say. I want to say they're like $150 per unit. And then you get the software for free. You can update to a premium software where you can do a little bit more and actually export the data, which would be nice. I don't pay for that, but mm -hmm. you can at least get the, the, the bare bones, you know, accelerations, decelerations, 
um, you know, all the important stuff, but just something maybe to look into for, like I said, you can buy just a couple units just to give you some external load. Yeah. Or maybe if there's something out of the basketball budget, they can work towards as well. Yeah. Not, not likely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that. I'll work on that. All right. Well, thank you guys, seriously, for, for kind of both, both episodes or both conversations. Um, you know, it, it's fun to kind of nerd out with you guys. Um, and, you know, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know that, you know, despite us be, being self-quarantined, um, it tends to get filled up pretty quickly with uh, life and yeah. other responsibilities. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking yeah. the time out. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff, and thank, thank you, you for inviting us. That was great. I, I enjoyed myself. If you're an athletic trainer who's looking for evidence-based practice CEUs, then please check out our six online evidence-based practice CEU courses available through Human Kinetics website. We'll have links to our courses on our website and in our show notes. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. We'll be back next week with more sports medicine research. Until then, stay well.